0: Song of the soul, and we'll sing
1: this song. We've got another treat for you today for Song of the Soul, a singer-songwriter-storyteller that I've been warming up to invite on the show for some time now. David Massengill does more than string words and tunes together. He paints pictures that pluck heartstrings as he accompanies his song on mountain dulcimer or guitar. Firmly rooted in his origins in Tennessee, David Massengill is a longtime resident of New York City, and he joins us today by phone from New York. David, I'm really excited to have you here today for Song of the Soul. I'm happy to be here. How much music are you doing these days? You travel a lot?
2: Not as much as in years past. I steadily play around, but I have to keep it uh, modest because I have some arthritis in my fingers. So the doctors told me I could continue to play for a long time. If I moderate my touring, but I've learned to adapt to it.
1: How hard is moderation for you?
2: Moderation is fairly easy. I've always admired the mountain way of doing things, which some people might call lazy or loafing, but a lot of great art comes out of sitting around thinking and loafing and whittling a
1: stick. You've lived in New York for a long time, but obviously your accent gives you a way that that's not home. Where'd you start out?
2: My hometown is Bristol, Tennessee, and I consider that still my home. It's right on the right where the Appalachian Trail goes through just about, and there's a Bristol, Tennessee, Bristol, Virginia, so it's right at the tip of East Tennessee and Western Virginia touch. That's where Bristol is. Tennessee Ernie Ford was my dad's a high school classmate, and sometimes when he'd come back to Bristol, my dad would be in the golf foursome that would play with him. I thought that was pretty neat. <laughs> and uh, his son, I'll never forget his son coming out to the country club he had two sons, and one of them was just a little, I was only about maybe four or five years old, and his son was smaller than me, and he got up on one of those tables with a little umbrella and started entertaining everybody. He started singing songs that were popular at the time. He started singing Elvis Presley doing, The ain't nothing but a hound dog. Everybody <laughs> gathered around and watched him and clapped, and I was in awe of this kid. I saw him at a gathering in Bristol a few years ago, and I asked him if I remember doing that. and He didn't remember, which like a lot of stars don't remember their big triumphs. (laughs) Maybe a few of them they remember, but they have so many. The big stars have so many triumphs, it's hard to remember them
1: all. I've got a cousin who would do that at family reunions, and Jerry was just a great singer, and now I don't think he would even open up his mouth. It's kind of hard to get him to do it, and that's just so unfortunate because he was so great.
2: Uh, it's people really, if they love doing it, they should always try to find a way to keep playing and singing.
1: Was he your role model, your influence in this, or was it from other places in the family?
2: Oh, as far as becoming a writer or a singer, my dad was a great storyteller. And so most my mom and dad were big influences on me in different ways. My mom was very visual. She had a great artistic touch. She studied art at school at the University of Nebraska and taught me to draw a little bit and would give me little tips on this and that. I remember the first time I drew something, it was of a, a naked man, and she was, thought this was great because I woke up, I was about four years old, I woke up having you know, to go to the bathroom, and I got up and I, <laughs> I started to pee, and I thought I would never stop, and I thought to myself, well, gosh, what if I don't stop? And what if I flood the ha- what if I flood the world? And I <laughs> whole and so this drawing is of a little boy flooding the world. Basically, the pee is up to his ankles, and he's starting. My mom sees this, and she said, "What's this?" And I explained it to her. I, I thought I was going to flood the world. I was never going to stop. And instead of having a little boy's head, Esquire magazine had a funny little man that they used to have on the cover in the fifties. And I used the Esquire Man's head. I don't know why. But that was my first drawing. My mom thought that it was quite something.
1: (laughs) It does sound like it's something. Are you still an artist, a visual artist as well? Yes,
2: I am. It's one of my main things I'm doing now. I've made 16 little books. I call them itty-bitty books. And I take a single sheet of paper of 11 by 15, which are two regular pieces of paper, put together and I make 32-page books out of these. So you can imagine, I fold them up and cut them in a certain way, what they call accordion books. And sometimes I illustrate songs, and sometimes I just do what they call a story in pantomime, which is just pictures doing the story. And I got this at a young age. I would go to my cousin's Aunt Eula, her children a little older, and they had maybe a hundred or more comic books, which I loved. And I looked at the pictures before I could read, and I would I could tell what the story was, but just by looking at the pictures. That's one of the biggest influences on me, that I was able to just sort of take stories from pictures. And so sometimes I think my songs are. Yeah, that's why I sometimes emphasize my story style, ballad songs.
1: For listeners, just to make sure you know who we're talking to here, this is David Massengill. There's various ways to get a hold of him. He has a page on Facebook. You can follow the link from org. Also, he has a website, davidmassengill.com. You can email him, davidmassengill at com. Maybe the best way is to call me and I'll connect you up with him. His webpage is not up to date, but maybe if enough of us uh, insist upon it, then maybe he'll get around to that. Although he's got a lot of music and art, obviously, to make. You've got so many glimpses of your past and present, your friends, family. I read on your webpage that some of them are real and some of them are sort of real and some of them are truly made up, I guess.
2: Yeah, sometimes you can improve your memory a little bit and I believe in that. But I found when I was helping to caretake my dad, I'd always loved his family stories and I would go from his bedside into the living room where I'd pick up a dulcimer or a guitar and... And I'd usually start with the last thing. It was usually names of his friends and relatives. And so I would use that name. And names are very musical. I don't know if you've never noticed that. But they almost make up the melody themselves. Frank Goodpasture was a fella my dad knew. He was lived across the street. And my dad noticed he had just moved in. He had a, a pony. You can imagine my dad's excitement. My dad was laughing, He, where he was, 75 years old, just laughing to himself. I asked him what he was laughing about, and he remembered Frank Goodpasture had a pony, and he went across the street, and he looked at him, Frank, and he looked at the pony, and he looked at Frank, and he looked at the pony, and then he said to him, Can I be your friend? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I thought that was funny. So I went into the next room, and I went, Frank Goodpasture had a pony. And it almost wrote itself. I just decided to take my dad's stories and make songs out of them. And I I used about 90% of the exact story for most of the songs. I was really shocked at how much I could just use real life.
1: Well, why don't you get us started for your Song of the Soul? Which song do you want to start off with?
2: I want to start off with The Return. It is a long view of the world, and it was uh, something in college. I noticed Shakespeare used to take stories that were original somewhere else. And he would write them in his own way. And I used the story of Noah. What was happening in the world at that time was the war in Bosnia, and I could not understand. It seems like there's always some horrible thing going on around the world. Sometimes we're involved in it, sometimes we're not, and sometimes we're trying to stop it, and sometimes we're trying to instigate it. It's it's pretty complicated. In this case, in Bosnia, a lot of ethnic killings were going down, and we were trying to help stop it, stop the ethnic killings. And I just started looking at a way to address it in a way. And I thought of the story of Noah, and I made him a rocket scientist. So Noah was a rocket
1: scientist. The song is The Return, and it's from the CD by the same name.
0: Noah was a rocket scientist. In the year of our Lord the Iron Fist And everywhere was heard The absence of the word The earth was filled with violence and hate But Noah would not give in to fate Noah looked at his computer screen He saw there's something he had never seen A message from above A sign from God with love You better build a giant rocket ship And prepare to take a long, long trip Gather up all creatures, great and small Those that fly, those that walk and crawl Those that swim the sea Include each kind of tree Of each grain that on this earth you feed Carefully lay in a store of seed Of each living thing you must bring to both male and female, the old saw shoe. And though the skies are clear, I know the end is near. On second thought, you better make that three. To ensure each possibility. Find the key to this home of mine So Noah sent out a press release Last chance for the world to live in peace When God plays pantomime We're running out of time The leaders of the world would not repent They all ignored his sad laments So Noah quit his job and went to work While the world went from bad to berserk Just like in days of old Center does not hold But there were some who joined him in his quest The stupid, the crazy, the dispossessed He freed the animals from testing labs His crew from New York City taxicabs And with a wanted ass he found a launching pad His rocket ship was built by many hands And each pair from a different land At last they were ready to embark Noah raised his voice, out dubbed the ark He aimed for a black hole As he prayed for each soul, a meteor flew by as he looked back, and he thought he saw a nuclear attack. No, my friend, here we go again. Somewhere in space and time, you'll find the key to this home. yesteryear Suspended animation was in gear And when they all woke up In need of a pick-me-up After 40 billion days and nights You know a cup of java Fast immense, and he felt within his being a sixth sense. The deeper that he flew, the sense of deja vu on to the second star to the right, straight on until the morning light. Now, when was nearly done. The third planet from the seventh sun. While circling the globe, Noah sent forth a probe. It came back a dove from Galilee, holding the branch of an olive tree. So now we return for the first time The sweet breath of a familiar climb Noah picked up a leaf Then he sighed in relief In the eyes of the Lord we find grace The end of our search for a birthplace no. Here we go again Somewhere in space and time You'll find a key to this heart of
1: Return by David Massengill. You can find him on the web at davidmassengill.com. You can find him on Facebook. All these links to him and his email address and so on, you'll find via nordenspiritradio.org. He joins us today from the East Village in New York, where he's lived for quite a while, though he's originally from Tennessee. And that, I would say, by the way, is one of the things that I delight in your music. There is, of course, a charm to a Tennessee accent. I know you probably think I have this amazing Midwestern accent, right?
2: I'm used to that. My cousins are from Nebraska, the Herpelsheimers and the Schlechtemeyers, and we used to have fun when we visit them. They used to have fun. They would tell their parents that we had an accent, and we'd tell our parents that our cousins had accents. <laughs> so we each accused each other of having funny accents. So I, I recognize a little bit of my cousins in, you, in the way you talk. Uh, but I've managed to keep about 70% of my accent. I still have maybe 70% here in New York City. It's, every year it seemed to go down a percentage point. But I would try to get down to Tennessee and my hometown often during the course of my life and sometimes for a month out of the year.
1: And so it would come back a bit. The things of home, in particular our youth, are so precious, aren't they, so much of the time? But but Noah, on the other hand, I mean, I assume that's a childhood story for you. Were you raised religiously?
2: Well, in, uh, my brother and I used to ask my dad, you know, about the thing. We were raised Methodist, which is not the most strict. I remember my friend Bobby Leonard used to go to the Baptist preacher, and they were really strict. I remember having my dad's friend, Mr. Hardwick, was a wonderful Sunday school teacher, and he would, like, have us understand there were a lot of different kinds of Christianity and so forth. Huh? You know, it's just for me. It's just a name in a way. But I, I don't like to hear people say the one true God. I don't think that's a phrase of love. But I do have a certain sense when I was Sunday school, you know, five years old, hearing Jesus loves me. That song gave me a lot of comfort. It gave me, it made me feel good. I don't dismiss the possibility that there is some sort of God out there, and I don't insist that mine is the one that uh, is true.
1: Does God speak with a southern accent, if there is one?
2: <laughs> that was, I guess mine would in my dreams anyway. But I remember Mr. Hardwick, I was 13, and he was the best Sunday school teacher I'd ever seen. He brought some Mormon boys in to give us their, their bit. And I was so shocked. I'd never heard such a thing. I'd, I was so happy to hear that, that Jesus was here among the Indians, and they had this whole thing going. I was big on cowboys and Indians back then. <laughs> yeah so uh, Mr. Hardwick wasn't afraid to show us different people's types of faith, even in, within our own sect, our uh, religion, and so forth. But, you know, it's not something that I, um, I guess I, you would say I'm secular in a way, but I believe in the possibility. And uh, sometimes I think there is, sometimes how you get sort of endorphins going and you feel like, oh, gosh, there must be some sort of divinity out there. And sometimes gets a divinity inside you. But when I did this song, I was just hoping to do I wanted to have the world, you know, it's saving all the animals, all the insects, all the seeds and the plants and all the things that live on this earth. And I think that's a good story. So I did it my way. And one thing that I thought was sort of, when I got down to two of each thing, male and female, I thought, well, gosh, you know, this whole gay and lesbian thing ought to be something, too. So instead of having two of everything, I said there should be three of everything. And so I opened it up for certain things, and even like animal. My dad was a pharmacist, and I know that there was a lot of animal testing, and I know they did do that for a good thing, but it's a sort of a cruel thing, and some people say that you don't even need to do it. So I, I don't know the full breadth and depth of that debate, but I just knew that they got part of the animals. They liberated a testing laboratory.
1: Well, I want to say that one of the gifts of your song is the wonderful way you have with words. In The Return, for instance, you say, so Noah quit his job and went to work. And you That's know, my you favorite know, line you, in the whole,
2: as a matter <laughs> of fact, when I do that song live, I repeat that line two more times. <laughs> and i tell the people this is my favorite line listen to it and if you don't get it here it is again <laughs> while
1: well, the world went from bad to berserk i mean yeah. you could you could have put in a pat rhyme in there but you know obviously you just your mind ranges pretty widely <laughs>
2: I had done another song about Jesus in an insane asylum that was in the same vein, except it was a little more comical. And I had a lot of comical things that that went into Noah, but I also pulled a lot of them out. I didn't want it to be as funny as my Jesus in the insane asylum song, which is also nice. Some preachers, actually my Methodist preacher, assistant pastor in my hometown heard it, and he said, Jesus comes off pretty good in that song, even though some people <laughs> see, some people say, you know, it's that I've been bad. Or if, Religion's tough. It really, sometimes people are very touchy about certain things. And I remember singing it up in a Vancouver festival, or was it was in Vancouver or somewhere in Winnipeg or someplace. And a woman came up to me after I'd done the song, and she said she was hearing the song and enjoying it, but she was a Christian and she was so worried that I was going to get to the end of the song and throw it away with sort of a funny thing. Instead, I absolutely stayed on track. If not a noble ending, a, a respectful ending. Um, I didn't want it to be a clever or smart ass or anything like that. I wanted it to be noble. Mm-hmm. And so it took me about uh, six months to write that song.
1: You succeeded.
2: Yeah. Well, let's go on from Noah to something else.
1: Sure. What do you want to do next?
2: Let's do one for the loons.
1: <laughs> that sounds like going from noble to loony. Okay. That's I mean. right. That's an it's an
2: everyman song. It's a taking a chance on life and your inner self.
0: I believe I'm Sam Average, just looking for an age. Now it's time I break tradition. Salamander man on a mission around the world to paradise. And if you chance to pass my way on a forbidden path, I'll be the one who walks on fire, comes off in air. off in a bird Up in the trees a cuckoo bird is key I think I'll climb up there and spread my wings Down the road comes a mystery charmer Sells his ways to a chicken farmer They have he got got red suspenders, pocket watches, all kinds of fabric swatches. He sells him in a day, but and if your chance my way on a forbidden day, I'll be the one who walks on fire, who's off in it. off any bird band Up in the trees a cuckoo bird is keen I think I'll climb up there and spread my wings. Round the bin comes a righteous sister I want to be her tongue twister She's Celsius Shells by the seashore Yeah, I'm the boy Who makes passes The girls who wear Opera glasses I'm always good For an encore And if you change the pass my way On a forbidden path I'll be the one a bird back bird? off the neighbor's back up in the trees the cuckoo bird is king I think I'll climb up there and spread my
1: David Massengill is the artist. The song is "One for the Loons," and it's from his recording "Twilight the Taj Mahal." Who? What are you talking about, though? I, you know, what? What's? Where is that set?
2: I see it on a road, you know, near a pasture, in a farm country. I think what might be the message of the song, if it is a message, uh, is don't be afraid to be called a nut. Do your thing.
1: This is personal policy, right?
2: Personal policy. We get awfully caught up with pleasing everybody. And I just sometimes, uh, when you get away from it, it's, it's a, there's a certain kind of pleasure. Uh, it's like watching a great movie sometimes when you finally are yourself. I just like this song as a, sort of a statement of myself. And I think my favorite verse in here is the last one where I'm the... I'm the boy who makes passes at girls who wear opera glasses. (laughs) And I'm always good for an encore. And it's just being yourself. And sometimes yourself
1: is a little bit of a nut. You know, I'm... I've been raised in the north. I've lived in Wisconsin almost all my life. When I was seven years old, we lived in Texas for five years. I lived in Africa a couple years as a Peace Corps volunteer. So I have a northern frame of mind. And one of the things that I have is kind of a stereotype of folks from the south is kind of the culture. You know, you you do songs on debutante ball and so on, and you know this is proper behavior and procedure. So I think of the. The South, the politesse of the South, if you will, as being a norm that a lot of people have to live up to. And now, that's a stereotype, right?
2: It is, but it's a good observation, I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah. How much did that, was that operational in your life? And how much is respecting the cuckoo as king, how much is that stepping outside that norm?
2: It's not stepping it out in a way that it is revolutionary. It's only as almost evolutionary. It's just you're naturally, if you're going to grow up, you grow up and I knew I took ballroom dancing. I'm glad I took, I know all these little things or I went through and I learned some of these things. But at a certain point, you have to break away or you do break away or it's natural that you break away. And I think that's what the song is saying. You don't have to be this straight-laced, always doing the correct, polite things. And sometimes the best thing to do is to just grin and do something else. It's a growth thing.
1: Well, keep us growing by giving us another song.
2: Let's go with Cousin Jackie and Mamaw's Hedges. This is my adventures as an independent boy and very early on for some reason I was an independent boy at four years old five years old we just aunt Eula lived just a block and a half down the street they were on Maryland Avenue and the school that my dad went to Fairmount was right across from their house so when I went to first grade it was right there and sometimes I'd go from first grade I'd go right into their house but I never knocked on the door because it seemed like I was welcome there, and I never had to knock on the door. So I would just go there, open the door, go into the back room where they had the comic books. And if the kids were around, I'd I'd hang out with them. But but basically, I wanted to go read these comic books. And it was my cousin Jackie, too, that had an interesting life, a hard life in some ways, in many ways. He was the oldest cousin, so it fell to him to help my grandmother, who we always called Mamaw, and it's an interesting thing. My dad, I had a grandmother, Herkelsheimer and a Mammaw, Massigill. And so when we visited, uh, you know, we each have the different names for them. And so I asked my dad why we called Mammaw, Mammaw. And he said, well, it makes her feel young. She doesn't like to hear grandmother, and that makes her feel old. So don't call her grandmother. Call her Mammaw. And so that's what I did. I never, ever called my mammal grandmother. It's, I guess, a conceit we we have that we indulge ourselves in sometimes. We feel ourselves, I'm 61. Actually, I just turned 62. And I still feel, I'm in my 20s. And sometimes I feel like I'm still five years old.
1: Especially when you're flirting with those girls with opera glasses, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's right. And so if someone was to call me, uh, hey, pops or something, I would go. I would sort of resent that a little bit. But my favorite comic books were the uh, Rip Roar and, you know, the the Fighting Marines or something I took, or the Daniel Boone or that sort of thing, adventure comic books. And then there was the other ones that were funny. I liked Little Lulu's and Uncle Scrooge or Donald Ducks. I'm just a huge admirer, and I started doing my own little drawings. And so this particular song, just shows an evolution of a little boy observing everything. And not only that, but his he observes his grandmother going up the secret passageway from the pantry to her bedroom, and he can smell her perfume as he goes up. He's observing all these things. And his older uh, cousin, who's doing the, this terrible job, of horrible job of doing the hedge clippers, and they weighed so much, and they were, but the mamaw was, was always giving him 30 cents and a Coca-Cola by the support swing. And I never had to do that. It was a terrible, hard job. (laughs) I remember him telling me, you know, he would sweat, but Mammaw would always give him a little bit. And and later on, I just thought he was the one, even though I didn't have to do all that work, he's the one that got something out of it. I I envied him having that exchange with Mammaw. I never got to really, um, you know, I I knew Mammaw well, but not that well. And I envied him that.
1: It's from the recording, My Home Must Be a Special Place. The song is Cousin Jackie and Mama's Hedges by David Massengill.
0: Jackie was my cousin, and he lived just down the street. His mother, my new love, to me was always sweet. And when my mother wondered where did I just disappear she always called you the first who said little David's here Their living room my second home was filled I was too young to read them yet, but I still like to look. look. further down Maryland Avenue Mamaw she lived all alone but she knew how to make Jackie had a hedge to clip while standing on tiptoes he clipped the hedge so straight and true you could pull across the stream then mammas Some life. but if i had to make a choice i'd stay by jackie's side and this time he'll be
1: David Massengill, Cousin Jackie, and Mamma's Hedges. A little reflection of home there. It seems to me you carry a whole lot of home with you. And as you said, it sounds like you resist having New York City wash that out of you or to dilute that. You have to replenish it. Is Bristol, Tennessee all a bright spot in your memory or are there bad things? There's always gonna be good and
2: bad and I could tell you some of those things. But basically I, I really reflect on the more positive things in Bristol. I grew up at a time where there were different schools for blacks and whites, but we made a transition that was pretty remarkable. I remember the football coach, my dad and I was playing football at the time and we had just integrated and my dad and the football coach went to the men's club, I forget what it was, you know, one of those business group things. They wanted to know if the black players were going to help us beat King Sport this year, and I remember hearing that from my dad. And I, I thought to myself, I guess it's not going to be as hard to integrate as everybody says it is. <laughs> but I can tell you that that you know there are stories, and I got to know a historian in Bristol. He told me a lot of wonderful stories, and also you know very very hard stories about you know after the Civil War and just the whole the whole thing. But the things I remember as a child is that my parents and my friend's parents cared about us, not just their own children, but cared about us, all the children, cared about who we grew grew up with. And that's a pretty positive thing about a community. So I take that with me in a way, Bristol. Their motto is, it's a good place to live. (laughs) But the thing is, I love New York. You know, I'd like, if I was, if I won the lottery, I would get a little home down in Bristol and, ke- and keep my New York apartment. And that's the way I would do it.
1: Yeah, well, keep us going with more music. We'd like to hear as much as we can in this hour.
2: Well, We Will Be Together. That's a whole collection of songs. I was working on seven, uh, what might be seven CDs, but I only had, uh, I wanted to put a little sampling of each of those into a record call, and I called it We Will Be Together. And this is a song that's uh, it's a commitment to love and companionship and humanity and to do good as you venture forth together.
0: We will be together When the hands of time stand still We will be together To go tilting at windmills And when Don Quixote Calls compadres to his side We will be together For the ride We will be together At the dawning of the day We will be together when we are old and gray And when we go dreaming To join up with Peter Pan We will be together on the land They say we are at loss, That our love is not alone That to the social order We are a thunder When the past is overthrown, we will be together, bone to bone. We will be together in the dark night of the soul. We will be together chasing down a rabbit hole. Isn't when we go to rescue, there well, is through the looking. We will be together holding fast We will be together always trying to do good We will be together playing tricks with Robin Hood And when we're outnumbered and surrounded by our folk be together with a rose. Sometimes I wonder is there ever lasting life? For I have seen the meekest lamb survive the sharpest knife. It was my good fortune to be shot by Cupid's dog We will be together when the mighty nations fall. We will be together for to hear the white doves call. And when we are playing down on old McDonald's farm, we will be together safe from harm.
1: title track of the we will be together album by david massengill obviously a real love song love song of commitment who is that commitment to that's
2: to lisey triple my the girl i came up to be with uh, 37 years ago we are still together we will be together we are together
1: what kind of super glue do you use
2: <laughs> it's you know it we have a little odd thing and you see this in other people too sometimes it, it gets stronger every year so it's not something I really even think about, it's just something we are together, and I don't think of her without me, and, and she is also an incredible artist and gives me phrases and lines, and gosh, I, she, I wrote a song, Sightseer, once, and she sang on it and really made the song, and I was trying to come up with lines, and I kept going, who's that man in the Fossil grands Hawaiian shirt and seersucker pants? He's got souvenirs and picture postcards, and I couldn't think of anything. He's got souvenirs and picture postcards, and she stuck her head around the corner of the room, and she said, in Bermuda shorts, his Vesuvius blows hard. (laughs) And I went, wow, what a great line. In Bermuda shorts, his Vesuvius blows hard. And I just thought, that's genius. And so sometimes um, a writer Bowels to others and if they give you the line they give you the line so she's given me many lines along that line and i've been smart enough to accept most of them and she's also she draws and she acts and she does all sorts of things she's wonderful and i was writing the song to her and for her and but it's also about you know being good in this world and also being on sometimes in, in the world you have to be you know, not going along with everything that the world says you're supposed to go along with. Sometimes you need to, to be good. Sometimes you have to be wrong. Kind of like Huck Finn when he decides that he's going to help Jim. Even though it's wrong, he says, he's going to do it. And so in that spirit, you know, we will be together.
1: I just want to make sure if you just tuned in that you know you're listening to Song of the Soul. I'm Mark Helpsmeet, your host for this Northern Spirit Radio production on the web at northernspiritradio.org. On that site, you can find almost eight years of our programs. You can listen to them, download them, find links to our guests. That'll be very useful in terms of tracking down David Massengill if you'd like to get a hold of him you also find a place to leave comments, and we love to hear from you because we love two-way conversation. So get a hold of us, leave a comment. You can also make a donation to Norton Spirit Radio, and I also recommend that you especially consider making a donation to your local community radio station. They're bringing you music and words that you're not getting anywhere else, so please consider that donation. Again, we're talking with David Massengill. He's located in New York from origin in bristol tennessee sharing his song of the soul today the last song we heard was we will be together we're getting to know a little bit about david i'm also going to have him back for spirit and action program so you can hear more of his music there i think david time for one more song how do you want to go out with? What's the what's the big <laughs> the big explosion you want to go out with? Well,
2: this is an explosion. It's this. It's called to climb a tree. It's one of my favorite things as a child. We moved at a certain point when I was seven, out near the knobs, and there were all these knobs and the hawks were circling the, the knobs. And knobs, by the way, are small mountains, and so they're right there, right there, and you can climb them as a kid. they're not like huge, long, big things. They're small. It's the spirit of ecstasy. When you climb a tree, it's a it's an ecstasy, well, I found anyway. And I could shimmy up a tree just like in the adrenaline that I would get in a physical and a visual thing that when you would be up there and sometimes you could bring a branch back with you a little top of the... I, sometimes it, well, I'd get to the top of the tree and I'd try to get the top branch and bring it down with me as a souvenir. It's also a little scary, and it's also among, the, I'm writing a whole bunch of fairy songs, and so this is among them. What happened when I was 10, we had a neighborhood that everybody went to this apple tree. It was the greatest apple tree you can, it was just unbelievable. It must have been 200 years old, very thick, and low to the ground, the branches went low to the ground, and the apples were light, uh, they were s- little sweet, a little sour, light green. And we kids had our favorite spots, and we'd come here after school or during the summer, and we'd sit there and talk about the world, talk about everything. It was sort of a magic sort of place, and it was a property that no one owned. And when someone actually bought the property, they worried that someone would fall out of the tree, break an arm, and they would get sued. So they decided to cut down the tree one of the tragedies of my life, and I still regret to this day that I didn't go and knock on their door and give them an apple and say, this is a great little tree, please don't, nobody will sue you, nobody will do it. at least try, but we just sort of accepted it as children, that that was, it was their property and they were going to do it. Well, right now I'm sort of, I'm going back in time and I'm going to have some fairies and elves and pixies and water sprites, they're going to join the children and they're going to find a way to save this tree from being chopped down. So this song is among, I guess about 10 or 12 I've written already about fairies and so forth. And I'll do a either a short play or novel or movie or something, or, or CD or whatever. But anyway, I'm going to save this tree from being chopped down because it, it gave me ecstasy as a
1: child. To climb a tree from We Will Be Together.
0: There is a place where I belong, the birds are there to sing a song, and I am partial to the view. Out on a limb, I bow to you. To climb a tree is ecstasy, as my candied philosophy. I climb the pine, the elm, the oak, to climb a tree is oak. It makes you free to climb a tree And look how far as you can see For I have seen a spider spin As many tries before you win And every tree is mystery In every branch another chance The deepest roots, forbidden fruits What Mother Earth has your mind when the world treats you unkind. To shimmy up and down a tree is just the thing for your esprit. Up in a tree you can discuss the new improved old blunderbuss. For sure there is no better place to talk things over face to. You can go climbing with your friends, you see the climbing never ends Or you can sit and talk about the rules of war until you shout It pleases me to climb a tree, a tree so big was once a twig There is a vine to help you climb, to hide your soul is there There is a place where I belong. The birds are there to sing a song. And I am partial to the view. Out on a limb, I bow to you.
1: Last song for David Massingill's Song of the Soul. The song is To Climb a Tree, and it's from his recording, We Will Be Together. And you know, David, when you talk about that, and you, you talk about it now passionately about how wonderful it is to climb a tree. So are you saying at 62 you're still shinnying up those trees?
2: I do. Uh, every tree that I, I still climb trees. I look for every chance I get to climb trees. But I like to run. I don't do it as much because of my arthritis, but I still do some. I do mostly swimming now because of that. But I used to do marathons here and there, not too many, but a few. And I would run in the woods uh, every chance I got. And when I would see a tree that I liked, I'd take a break and put up, climb it.
1: What kind of trees? Is it pine trees? They get all sticky on those. (laughs)
2: Uh, Pine trees are not the best. Uh, I avoid the pine trees. Uh, I'll climb them in a pinch. But they're not the best because of all the sap. Any any tree that's a hardwood is going to be good to
1: do. Well, I'm glad to have the inspiration of that and of your music. As I've mentioned to our listeners, I am going to have you back for my Spirit in Action program so people can look in the future for that program as well. David, you do such wonderful music. New York is lucky to have you. Bristol, Tennessee can be proud for having produced you. And I'm so pleased to have had you here today for Song of the Soul.
2: Oh, my pleasure to get out there and talk a little bit about these songs.